This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, it's March 1st. Welcome to the VPZD Show. I'm your co-host, Dr. Zubin Damanya, ZDog MD, if you're nasty, and uh, Dr. VP Vinay Prasad is with me. Hi, VP. I'm here. It's good to be back. Um, and uh, it's been a busy week. Busy week, a lot to talk about. It's, it's been really busy. In fact, we missed last week because we were both so busy. And I got a bunch of emails. Hey, if you guys really want to be a thing, you got to go every single week. And I'm like, <laughs> is that I'm what not they sure how much I want to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, they were yelling at me. I'm like, Bro, like both of us have day jobs here. Yeah. But yeah, no, 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 no. It's really good. I've been, I miss you, brother. Like we need to talk you. about so I many know. of the things. Yes. There's there's me deleting Twitter. There's vaccine yes. five yes. to 11 efficacy yes. data. There's Ukraine in the news cycle. There's, oh, oh, there's so much good stuff. Let's just dive in, dude. What do you want to start with? Should Let's we talk start with about... the talk of the town, the talk of the town. It's certainly the talk of the town <laughs> in some quarters, which is that you're out. You threw in the towel on Twitter. I'm done. You're done with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm done. Well, and I'm I'm sure. I'm canceled by the uh, pro vaccine uh, you know. No, no, no. Follow the science. That. COVID, COVID extremists. They're yeah. COVID extremists. Oh, let's get sorry, to that. Sorry. Let's let's start with this where the story begins, which is you wanted to go to a museum. <laughs> let's start with the museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simply, so here's the story. Yeah. We the kids were on winter uh, ski break, which is a translation of the California public school system doesn't have enough money, so they give kids an extra week off in uh, the early winter, right? And what most people this? call it ski week. They go skiing. We don't ski, and I had a bunch of work to do, so we ended up going down the central coast of California. When we came back, it was Friday. Kids were still off, and my wife and I knew that if we just jumped back into work, it would be miserable. So let's con ex continue the exploratory vacation experience. And, we, and someone had given us for Christmas four tickets to the California Academy of Sciences in Golden Gate Park. And they said, hey, it's a great museum. They do all kinds of science. Kids would love it. Here's, you know, 125 bucks worth of tickets because that's what it costs for four people, which, you know, strikes me as a bit of an equity issue if you're wow. not a, a rich kid, How right? Much is it? 140 it's 140 bucks per four people? What is it? It was 100, I think it was 125 for four people, mm -hmm. two adults, two kids. Mm -hmm. And um, at least that's what the, the ticket said for mine. And so I didn't pay for this, but it was paid for. So this is a sunk sure. cost. And I said, let's go, let's go to this thing. So we were all excited. That morning on Friday, I go, ah, all right, let me uh, check, let, or my wife said, let's check the website, make sure we don't have to do any weird COVID stuff or have to make reservations or anything. And the website said, eight ki kids ages 12 and up must be fully vaccinated, including boosted if they are eligible. Yeah, and then, it, and, and that's basically what it's, and it, it was quite clear. And then at the bottom, there's a little fine print that says, uh, 
our vaccine and FAQ efficacy policy. And then it had some other fine print that said like kids five to 11 will require vaccines starting in March something. Right. So that's what the version of the website that the the version that I saw says this proof of up to date vaccination required, including a booster exclamation mark. All guests age 12 must provide proof of up to date vaccination, including a booster shot in order to enter the academy. Photo ID is required for guests age 18 and up. And then it says view our vaccination policy and FAQ. That's a hyperlink to the next page. So that's how I saw. it. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's what I saw. And so I, so that was the website version that we saw. And so my wife tells me, oh man, the kids need boosters, uh, or at least uh, my oldest does, because my oldest is 14, my youngest is 10. And uh, neither of them have boosters because <laughs> I made the decision along with the children, actually involved them in the decision that uh, a booster shot was not necessary at this time for them of since course. they were fully vaccinated, they're low risk and Omicron was infecting everyone anyways. So- uh, and they were fine with that and everything was good. Now, this thing comes up and I and immediately, and I'm gonna just tell you my internal state because it's important. I have a high emotional volatility score on my personality uh, index. If you do like the Jordan Peterson personality scale thing or what any of these personality tests, I score off the charts in neuroticism and emotional volatility and quite low in diligence, interestingly. <laughs> and high in compassion. So so I, you know, I'm I, that's my Personality profile. So immediately um, I get an emotional response. How dare this kid's science museum require something as unscientific as a booster mandate for children to enter their facility, right? Now, it turns out if you click into, at least this is what they said after the fact, if you click into the FAQs there, it'll say, okay, there's an alternative. You can actually provide evidence of a negative test if you don't have a booster. Let me clarify and, this. So I clicked on the FAQ. Yeah. And then in the, yeah. it, it's, first of all, you have to read down the page. And then it says, age 12 to 17, effective February 1st, proof of up-to-date vaccination required, including a booster shot. Then only at the bottom of the page, there's no asterisk. At the bottom of the page, it says, testing alternative, colon. Guests who have completed their primary vaccine series but have not yet boosted may bring proof of a recent negative COVID-19 test instead. Please see the FAQ below for further details. So basically, the yeah. choices are this. You either have to have three in your arm if you're 12 and up, or... Two in your arm and a test, but you can't and have a test. and a, but you can't have one in your arm and a test. No, 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 that would be anti-vax, and you can't have zero in a test. That's not acceptable either. So you have to have two in a test. Unacceptable. Or three. Yeah. So okay, that's the policy. All right. Exactly. So yeah. the barrier to entry to a science museum for children is an unscientific barrier. Right. Or or it's a virtue signaling barrier or it's a, you know, uh, follow the science barrier. It's a covidian sort of strategy. Right. Let me paint it. Let me paint it totally absurd. It, it, the, where where they have set their hill, their their tent on the hill is is on the side of the hill. It's it's indefensible. Here's why. If you think <laughs> if you want to reduce the risk of covid as much as possible, you could say. No matter how many vaccine doses you have, three doses, you also need a negative test because we know people who have three doses who can get yes. Omicron. Or yes. you could say, or you could say, it doesn't matter how many vaccine doses you have, you have to have the negative test. But to say two in a negative test or three, this is illogical. Why not one in a negative it's, test? That's not allowed. It's totally illogical. It's completely inconsistent with what we're actually seeing in the world. And and so so it was crazy, right? And, and I, I didn't even see the testing alternative, but even if I had, I would have been equally pissed for the reason you say. It's ridiculous, right? Especially you're asking somebody to go get a test somewhere, right? Which In is addition not- addition to the, not, buck tw- the buck 25 they already spent on your tickets. 
<laughs> on your tickets, which are sunk, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, yeah. But now you got to so, spend another, so this is what another I did. 50, 100, but I don't know how much you have to spend. Yeah. Oh, God knows what, right? Well, how much it costs. And do they so even take a home point, test? Like, I don't know. Do they take a home test? Well, anyway, go back. Go, I, go I on. Did, your I did not inquire. Yeah. I did not inquire. And so I'm pretty, you know, again, high emotional volatility. Well, Twitter is a dangerous place for people with high emotional volatility because initially the tweet that I wrote, I was like, you know, I'm so pissed. I'm going to call, I'm going to basically say that I'm pissed tag these guys and let them know I'm unhappy with their policy because it's not scientific and maybe they'll change their policy, right? Or maybe they'll respond, maybe they'll clarify, whatever it is. But my initial tweet that I constructed was actually rather, you know, just clearly not appropriate. So I revised and revised and revised. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is more like a, a, a more calm expression of my dislike of this policy, which is, hey, I was planning to go to the science museum and get our science on with the kids. In other words, a little shout out to the museum and their science. But then I found out they require boosters for kids, which by the way, I consider a 12 year old to a 17 year old, a kid. Sorry, yes, they no, just are. And uh, so then I said, uh, sorry, but we'll get our, our science the old fashioned way. We'll blow some shit up in our backyard, right? Like some stupid funny. joke it's like funny. that. Yeah, put it out there. Immediately uh, it starts doing this Twitter thing where the likes and the retweets start happening, which by the way is rare for me because I don't do Twitter very well. It's not a platform that I'm very good at. So, because I'm not that good at that short form thing and I don't like to rewrite stuff, I, I'm very like instant. So that's why I like video because it's, it's quite, for me, it's quite an authentic expression of the now, right? Whereas you're really good at, at Twitter because that's it's almost how you think, right? And how you argue. For me, it's it's a different, uh, different algorithm mentally. So, so I put it out and it starts going crazy. And, and, and initially it's the people going, yeah, I can't, how absurd is that? This is nuts. And then of course, as soon as it starts doing that, it draws in the sort of COVIDians who are like, how dare he a bully a museum? Like uh, they're just trying to keep children safe and this oh, and that. And, and at this point, Vinay Prasad is invoked, Marty McCarry, like all my adjacent contrarian friends are uh, are, are named as, as, oh, well, you know, if he wasn't so Prasad adjacent, maybe he could see the foolishness of his tweet attacking a museum. You know, so it's going into that direction. At this point, I'm like, oh, this is just the usual cr craziness. So we go up to San Francisco anyways. We go to the Sutro Baths. We hang out uh, in the north, um, yeah, north side west. of San Francisco yeah. at the beach just had a beautiful time. It was gorgeous, beautiful city, beautiful day, wonderful people. Most nobody's wearing masks outside, thank God. It was mm. lovely, right? Um, and uh, then I go back home and I look at Twitter and it's just gone nuts. And by that, I think by by the next morning, the Cal Academy had responded and said, we, need, we feel like we need to step in because there were people like, you know, writing in going, uh, yeah, I'm canceling my membership, right? I've been a member of Cal Academy of Science. This is absurd what they're doing, right? So they were righteously indignant. But but the mob hits on both sides. So there's a mob of righteously indignant people and there's a mob of COVIDians who are now like defending the the thing and attacking me as an anti-vaxxer. Like, oh, how far Z-Dog has fallen. You know, just his 2016 yeah. Z-Dog would have crapped his pants seeing this. And I'm like, uh, this, uh, oh, you guys are so lost, man. <laughs> Yeah, so I then know. Cal Academy, yeah. the next day writes in and is like, we need to clarify, this is an incorrect tweet. Uh, we do not require boosters for kids. For 12 and up, we can, you, have an, you can opt out with a test if you're not boosted. And it's everything we just said, right? So it's still equally absurd. And then I went to their website and looked at it and they, the website was different. So they had added an asterisk in there that says, there's a testing alternative, like right on, on the thing. That's new. 
All right. I actually used the Wayback Machine to look at the versions of the website. They had changed it. And so I said, Shut well, up. I replied no. to them. And, yeah, they, I swear to God. They changed it on the, you used yeah. Wayback and it has changed? I used Wayback. Now, the tricky part is, this is where it becomes a little tricky because we have to be fully uh, right clear. Yeah. That's right. So the, the, the last archived version was a few, like a couple weeks prior, right? That's what Wayback had archived. And the latest updated version was 9 p.m. on the day I made my tweet. No, so in other words, that is fishy. Yes, so I made fishy. my tweet in the morning and then Wayback re-updated at nine. So why, what triggers Wayback to re-update? I don't know, but if it's a change know. to a website, then the website was changed roughly then. So now this becomes important because Cal Academy tweeted back at me and said, no, we changed our website a week prior and it said this very sure. clearly in, in the asterisks. And sure. I was like, well, that's not the website I saw. And they said, well, maybe your browser was caching an old website. And I'm like, well, maybe, but I don't remember going to your website. So wow. why would the browser have cached it? So my, my concern was that they'd actually updated it in response to my tweet and made it more clear, which is fine. I'm glad they did something in response to the tweet, but it's very disingenuous to say, look, it's quite clear you could have had a testing alternative. And even if I'd seen that, I would, it wouldn't have changed my tweet. I would just, or be tested, it's you know discriminatory. So at this point, I put up the screenshots of before and after their website. I said, well, here's what it said when I looked and here's what it says now, courtesy of Wayback Machine, I can see both those things. Um, you know, something changed. And they said, oh no, we updated a week ago. Maybe your browser wasn't cached. And I said, okay. I replied one more time and said, well, then, okay, that's great. I, I think, and they said, oh, we're even offering mobile convenient testing. We've partnered with someone so you can test right there. And I said, that's great. Convenience is great. Does anyone from your show, would anyone from your group wanna come on my show and talk about this? Talk about yeah, the ins and outs of this, good. have a discussion yeah. about it. So I invited them. I said, I've opened my DMs for you. All right, so that lasts maybe two, three hours. I look at the feed at this point. It is a shit storm. Like, like all the usual crowd of people is there going, he is calling the museum liars and <laughs> attacking uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, hold, their, hold saying hold they on changed one second. their- before you, before you go to that, because I think that's, that's what I think is an interesting cultural part of this. I just want to clarify one thing. I'm looking at their website. I want to read it to you. This is the new, this is the website as of today, because I don't have all these archive versions. Okay. Right. I'm eligible for a booster shot. I still haven't gotten it yet. Can I still visit? Yes, provided you have completed your primary vaccine series. So you have to have two. And can provide proof of a rapid antigen test administered within one day or a PCR test administered within two days of your visit. The following are, are acceptable as proof of a negative COVID test. A printed document from the test provider or laboratory, an email, text message, web page, or application screen displayed on a phone. The information must include... <coughs> The person's name, type of test performed, negative test result, and the date the test was administered. I think this actually means that you're not allowed to use a home test. And then the next part, yeah. right? Because the home test can't have that. Um, yeah. If I'm not fully vaccinated, can I get a negative test instead? See, that's my logical question because, you know. Right. If, right. Okay. Negative tests are no longer accepted as substitute for proof of completing your primary vaccine series. This is not wow. – This is not – Even if – It's even indefensible. If, right. Even if they had not, uh, you know – doctored their little policy even you know even if they were forthcoming this policy this policy doesn't make any sense at all because a, th a three vaxxed a three vaxxed 12 year old can have omicron and go to this and go to that visit coughing on everyone so shouldn't somebody with three vaccines get one test at least a two vax person yeah. can have omicron and go coughing on anyone a one vax person can too a one dose person and a zero dose person can so I guess if the thing is you're worried about having people there who could have Omicron and cough it on other people, then the answer I think would be 
no matter what your vaccine status is, you need testing and perhaps even multiple testing. You know, you need three negative tests in a row. I mean, if that's really how stringent you want to be, right? Or or you can say, um, you know, we're going to tolerate some risk. And that risk is, you know, anyone who had one dose, we're going to let you in. Um, But the difference between two and three, especially as time gets away from the booster, you know, it's very marginal. Yeah. Anyway, all right. it's Go marginal, back. and yeah. and there. No, that's exactly right. And the and the response, the last response from Cal Academy, which by the way, all my interactions with Cal Academy on Twitter were totally cordial and of professional, course. right? It's everybody else's interaction, right? So I even invited them on the show and they were actually quite cordial with me writing back and forth about the testing and so on, or whoever their social media person was. And uh, by the way, I'm my own social media person. And so uh, the the um, idea that they would put up these hoops and these barriers for a child who's already had two vaccinations felt really, really wrong. And that was the nature of the tweet, And right? let's, like be, honest. let's preventing- be honest about this policy. Between the price of going to the museum and this policy, yeah. they're going to have only white and Asian kids there. You know, they're going to have disproportionately thousand white and Asian kids. They're going to have fewer Hispanic thousand kids percent. and fewer black kids. And that because one, we know vaccine uptake from a couple of studies that came out in the Bay Area has a uh, disparity by race. We also know yeah. socioeconomic status has disparities by race. And these two things, they're yeah. setting up barriers. They already had a socioeconomic barrier. That's what you're pointing out with the ticket price. They're adding a new yeah. barrier. That's another litmus test for for class really and this is a museum and museums are supposed to be places where children can be exposed to science you know um i think it's crazy go on no and i have no idea if they have like some kind of program for disadvantaged kids or something so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they do that i don't know but i'll say this like but but on the website there's no vaccine policy for you know if your parents yeah, have different yeah. references, et cetera, right? You know, so the that's, vaccine policy, even if right. you can't afford the ticket fee, the vaccine policy is discriminatory. Is discriminatory. It's just straight up. And so, and remember, this is a museum of science. The California Academy of Sciences is like over a hundred years old. Like they, they're, they're dedicated to, to preserving the natural world through, you know, educating people and so on. So it seems really obnoxious that they would continue to put up barriers to children who've already been suffering untold amounts of hardship from Can the I pandemic make one, one more point on this one more point on this is that like the reason i think a lot of americans would look at this and you know we're you know you and i i i'm imagining somebody from san francisco over my shoulder and they're saying like what's the big deal what's the big deal zubin yeah. Yeah, everywhere yeah, you yeah. go in this city you gotta drop your drawers and show your vaccine tattoo you know i mean because that's the standard in the city <laughs> okay i mean so they're saying right. no big deal i'm used to showing my card and my id and by the way when you show your card here people are really looking at the fucking lot number you know they're really getting into the weeds yeah. you know i'm like get out of my yeah. just look at it there's three shots and i shut up and get on with it. Give me, you know, okay. Yep. Okay. Give me my <laughs> QR code and get the hell out. No, the QR code. God, give me a break. Okay. But, but we're in a bubble. If you step foot outside this city, you drive 40 minutes, Zubin, 40 minutes outside this city and you go to a restaurant, there's no vaccine card. There's no mask. There's no carding children. There's just normal life. And if you drive two hours out of this city, it's even more normal. And three hours out of the city, it's totally normal. They don't care. They're not doing anything out there. So what are, this is total virtue signaling. I mean, how deluded are these people into thinking the Cal Academy shall not accept anybody with Omicron when just 30 miles 
miles away, you can have Omicron, no Omicron, vax, no vax, mask, no mask. You can come and go as you please, but the Cal Academy won't do it. You know, it's, it's really, it's so preposterous when people listen. You- outside of the bay area they think this is crazy what are they what are they living in this state why are they living in that city that's what they think and they want dude wrong. i i okay so all right all right okay now you've really unleashed me a little bit which is probably a bad thing because i told you i'm emotionally volatile we had just come from a fucking trip down the central coast of california this is mm-hmm. the same state all right yes, same state. nobody's wearing masks Nobody. anywhere <laughs> everybody's doing their thing right in europe they never fucking masked kids. They never never required vaccines for kids. They're not requiring boosters. Two FDA officials resigned over requiring even approving the booster possibility for people under 65 who are healthy. Um, (laughs) But the fucking Cal Academy of Sciences (laughs) can put this policy in there where my child who's 14 turns to me and goes, Daddy, should I get a booster so I'm not so much of a burden so that we could actually go to this museum that you really wanted to go to? And it fucking broke my heart. And then I go and tweet about it in a in a reasonably balanced and comedic way. And the fucking Covidians come after me on Twitter. They're like, you're an anti-vaxxer. How far are you falling? You fucking don't. You will never say how many children have died of covid. Yeah, I I was like, "Okay, fuck all you people. Like, I'm I'm deleting Twitter because I hate all of you fucking people. I'm deleting it. It's not good for my mental health. I hate him, him too. I want to come to them, but I I just want to have one last point about it, which is that I just want to push on this issue, which is that it is it is what they're doing is they are coercive. And and I think this is what people forget. Um, If we as a society decide to be coercive, if we decide that it is so important that teenage kids get vaccinated and boosted, it's so important that we need to coerce that from our public. I think you have, there's some ethical pre-principles. One, I think it's not sufficient to show that it has a personal health benefit, but I think you're really going to have to show it has a health benefit to other people, which they've never, you know, they've failed repeatedly to do so. And then I think you'd have to show right. that the personal the personal and um, collective health benefit is so large, it 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 is greater than the loss of individual freedom and liberty. So that's a that's a, that's yes. a real philosophical question. And I actually think reasonable people could disagree on that. But yeah, absolutely. Even if, even if you thought we ought to coerce it, the person, the entity that should be coercing it is not the fucking Cal Academy. It's got to be some <laughs> some entity that is equipped to have this dialogue. It can't just be we have one PhD, somebody who dabbled in biology on staff, and that person decided this is the policy. You can't have coercion at the level of rando preschool, rando museum. That's not the place for these kind of dialogues. This is a really important dialogue. And as you point out, we have a FDA, we have the CDC Advisory Committee that voted against boosters in average risk adults, not even teenagers, you know, and that and then and then and then only later, you know, with this resignations and this big push from White House, it was pushed through. This is not a black and white decision. This is a controversial decision. You have Paul Offit told his own 20 year old son, by the way, who's at higher risk of bad covid outcomes than your um, 14 year old for sure, just by age. He told his own son not to be boosted. Not that's Paul Offit. And yet the Cal Academy is telling you. And making your, you know, your kiddo feel this way is terrible. They have no business in this. And this is going to come to something that I want to talk about, some, an essay I wrote about setting restrictions on public health. But, okay, I think we've beaten this to death. I mean, I, I mean unless there's anything to say, let's just, let's just hammer home the point. I think from a scientific standpoint, an ethical standpoint, and a policy standpoint, this is indefensible. The reasons it's indefensible are, one, it is a totally gray issue. 
It, and uh, there is disagreement among experts who are pro-vaccine as to whether or not you ought to vaccinate the kid, too. That's that's one thing. But two, this museum, Rando Museum in San Francisco, Golden Gate Park, is using coercion to try to get this to happen. And that means that they have decided that it is in the best interest of their visitors to do this, to apply this coercive pressure. But they are ill-suited. They don't have the staff, the faculty, the resources. They don't have ethicists. They don't have a robust debate. They're not the place that should be having the baton of coercion, even if you believe that you ought to have that baton, which I doubt you ought to have. And then the final thing is that, you know, I just don't even think it makes sense because, you know, we see diminishing vaccine effectiveness, which we're going to talk about uh, later on in the show, uh, such that, you know, I think you're not really, you know, a, a policy like this does a great job, Zubin, of separating people who can spread Omicron from people who can spread Omicron. You know, it's not really separating, you know, you're separating kids who can spread Omicron from kids who can separate, spread Omicron. You're not really, you're not really carving nature at the joints, as Plato would say. So I think it's a, it's a bogus policy. Now let's talk about. Yeah. The res the well, so, response so that I just want to say one other okay, thing about yeah. this. So that's the science. That's the scientific aspect and, and the policy aspect. The social aspect of this, I think, is fascinating, because by criticizing the the California Academy of Sciences, that is an a, a loyalty versus subversion, moral palate boundary violation for the COVIDian tribe. So that a that a physician who purportedly is pro vaccine, aka me. And that's not purportedly, but according to them, uh, that would criticize the Cal Academies of Science uh, booster policy for kids. That is a deep violation of their moral intuition. And that, I think, is why they got so triggered. And I love it. Well, like, I love triggering I, I, I those think fuckers. There's, I think you're, you're half right, but half wrong. Okay. Ah. Okay. You're right in the sense that... Um, I mean, I want to say a few things here. One, I would say that there is a there is a vent there's a among people on Twitter. There is a large group of people who are COVIDian, or we can also call them as uh, as, as someone calls them uh, COVID extremists. These are people who believe in zero COVID, and we ought to keep masking forever. Uh, you know, per, you know, for a long period of time, and everyone should get as many vaccines as you could possibly get. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that the FDA should even approve some vaccines based on sort of dubious data, like that. You know, six month to four year old. That's a That's a set. Right. But there's a subset of that. And that's a subset of that, which is the group that attacked you the most. It wasn't, I didn't see all the COVID extremists attack you. I didn't see, for instance, the European COVIDians. I didn't see some of the COVIDians mm. from the East Coast. I saw a subset of that. Mm. And it was the, I'm trying to describe it. It was a group of people who are COVID extremists and also people who don't like you for something else you've said over the many years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. every It's COVID a typical extreme. witch hunt thing where it's like there's a pre-existing grudge. There's, you know, yes. it's, it's all those kind of things. Yeah. And and, and they also but, but have see, in common, they are uh, heavily often into sort of woke politics. I think that's that's a yes. defining characteristic. So the, they, the badge is there of the various things in their description. Yeah. Debunking uh, complementary and alternative medicine. That's part of their wheelhouse. Yes. Um, Correct. In the, in the pre vax times, it was pushing childhood immunization. Um, yes, and and aggressively to the point which which anyone who disagreed is a you know an imbecile and something like that you know kind of very kind of rough rough right. terms, um, right? And uh, and uh, and they built a tribe out of that. I mean, the tribe is the the Venn diagram intersection of uh, you know woke medicine, debunking alternative medicine, 
um, uh, uh, pushing childhood vaccines. And then here, COVID extremism has entered into that sort of tribal belief. And I guess I want to say that, you know, I I say that just because like childhood vaccines prior to COVID, you know, I'm with them. And debunking alternative medicine, you don't need to tell me twice. Like, I know it doesn't work. I just don't think it's often. It's not even worth my breath to, you know, talk about how it's just to talk about it. Yeah, right. It obviously doesn't work. But okay, you know, so it's not to say they're wrong about everything. But, um, you know, that's the group that attacked you viciously. Let me read you a quote. This is what somebody said online today. Those who attack Dr. Demania are known COVID extremists. They're irrelevant based on their track records and lunacy. They go after me too, but it's only a bad reflection on them. Twitter is important to move needles with. Without rational minds, it will be overwhelmed by extremists. Thoughts? Yeah, this is interesting. I actually don't think uh, Twitter... I think Twitter's already overwhelmed with extremists. Correct. Like, so the reason I deleted Twitter was not because I was attacked. I get attacked all the time. Dude, you should look at my YouTube comments. Like, I, 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 I get eviscerated in YouTube. It doesn't bother me at all. The thing about Twitter is I find it's, it's not a platform where I do well because I actually see a lot of nuance. And when I communicate, I don't like to revise and revise and revise. I like to authentically talk and Twitter doesn't allow that. So for quite some months, I've been wanting to delete it, but there's this influence addiction thing where moving the needle does matter to me. And and Twitter does seem to do that. Like, you know, I have some people following me that like, if I can influence them, that's tremendous. And I got texts from a lot of them after I deleted Twitter that made me realize, wow, they're actually looking at Twitter. Um, so that, that was the only thing that was like, ooh, Twitter. But then the rest of it was like my mental sanity, like the feeling that like, here I am talking about like trying to avoid tribalism and division and yet participating in a system that continues to promote it. I said, you know what? Mm, I'm just going to delete it and I'll, I'll focus on on YouTube and locals and these different platforms. But maybe I'm wrong, but the truth is it feels correct. And I got a lot of emails saying, I'm glad you're off Twitter. It's just a poisonous place. So for me, it's not a good place. For Actually for you, when I look at your Twitter presence, I think now here's a guy who knows how to use Twitter and argue and so on. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not, I don't have that same mind. But let me ask you, I mean, we'll come. you can come to me in a second, but let me ask you, um, I mean, obviously, when I when I watched it, I was like, "Oh God, these people!" I mean, it's it's li- I mean, it's literally the same people who have habitually disagreed with you on some issues. So I mean, I don't oh know. yeah, can, yeah, yeah. I, can anyone take it in good faith? Um, but one of the things that surprised me was, um, you know, I think uh, a lack of curiosity. Um, by that I mean. Uh, you know, I saw somebody make some snide comment and they were like, you know, I've never gotten into beef with a science museum. Ha ha ha. And I thought to myself yeah, yeah, yeah. that like, um, I mean, if you if you set aside how you felt about Zubin, do you really think do you, I mean, are you really telling me that this policy makes sense to you? Like, I mean, you know, are, are, are you are you so clouded by your emotional response to this one man? For whatever reason, and I truly I actually I even doubt it has anything to do with your prior opinions. I think it has more to do with the fact that a lot of people don't like to see somebody who has achieved a modicum of success, especially in a domain that they themselves crave success in. And then I think a lot of people Mm. don't like to see somebody who has a natural talent for communication, that a domain that they wish they had the natural talent. And I think so some of it is sort of that resentment phenotype. But um, uh, do you really think the policy is a good policy, you know? And then I saw, you know, some accounts that are self-professed you know, uh, by some accounts that I saw that sort of attacked you, so this person has, has previously said, I don't know anything about research. This person has actually said in interviews and this person says, I'm just a com- I'm just telling jokes. I'm just a jokester. And then I was like, but if you're just a jokester, if you don't know anything about policy or, or, or health policies, why do you feel so strongly that Cal Academy is in the right? 
do you really believe the policy yeah. is just? Do you really believe the the, yeah. the benefits of the policy outweigh the harms? And if and and then if not, then then why are you taking sides in this matter? Why do you have to involve yourself in this matter? You've confused the thing you're good at for the thing you wish you were good at, which is understanding policy. So I mean, I, I think it's disingenuous, yeah. and I think it was painful to watch, but it was entirely predictable. I mean, that is what, and that I think that's what you're talking about. Twitter creates these opportunities. Look, I've I've been the yeah. victim of the same the same group. Oh yeah, uh, the dunks before. Um, uh, <clears throat> I don't think. Well, we can talk about like how I use it now. Actually, like, if you look recently, you know, I, I, I just, I, 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 it's a one-way street with me now. There's no point yep, in responding yep, to anybody. Yep. It's all that's pointless. the best yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But, the but you know, but then you becomes... and I, I block. I block. I mean, I don't. I don't block. At, I mean, the thing that people forget is people are always like, "Oh, well, you blocks me." I was like, "I know, I didn't block you." See, there's a there's a third party website that anytime I see a tweet that's especially malicious, it doesn't have to do with me. I just saw one of like Steph Burrell or Wes or something like that or somebody who said um, about Tracy Beth Hogg, you know, she's just a sports medicine doctor and, you know, some nasty thing like that when, you know, it's inaccurate. She also has a PhD in epidemiology. But anyway, I see something like that. I, I push the third party <laughs> button and the button just blocks anyone who, you know, liked or retweeted. Yeah. And, and that just they solves get so the butthurt. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Bad. They get, but they get, they all, his VP specifically blocked me. They get the, this like, emotional, you know, that, because that's the thing is Twitter really encourages a kind of middle school mentality. These are like adult professionals that are actually yeah. emotionally very regressed. And very so, see, I put my own emotional volatility out on the table. I'm like, I'm a pretty emotionally volatile gal. So I try to stick to platforms where I can use that to advantage. On right. Twitter, it's actually, it can be a disadvantage. But um, yeah, it was all predictable. So for me, I think, you know, I think I'm done with Twitter, but I'm going to double down on everything else I do. And in fact, I'm going to go even harder and harder and harder because, you know, these guys think, oh, for some reason, this kind of thing will neuter somebody. Mm -hmm. What it actually does is it actually makes them go, wait, no, I'm actually right on this. Like, uh, and so now I'm going to use everything in my natural God-given talent to continue to push, right, on on platforms where I'm quite good at that. So. Stay well, I mean, tuned. <laughs> no matter no matter what your impact on others is, is it's, if you don't want to be on there, you shouldn't be on there. It's 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 a trash website with full of, you know, I mean, bad garbage ideas. garbage people. But, I mean, <laughs> yes, I think I think there's some truth to that. Yes, um, yeah. but 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 this person's point, I think. I mean, there's a little current, and and I and I think that's the thing that keeps me from quitting. And I'll tell you, it's that that little kernel. Yeah, tell me, says, tell me. Um, so, I think what are the pros and cons? Let me let me try to. The cons are. <clears throat> You know, the cons are, I think, and this is um, uh, true in my case, I think, you know, that um, there are going to be a fraction of people who really dislike you. Some of that may be that they dislike particular part points of view you have held. They may dislike the fact that I'm, you know, skeptical of the evidence base for masking children because there's no randomized data ever. You know, they might dislike that. They might dislike that I'm skeptical about boosters. That's part of why they may dislike dislike you. Um, but the other part they might dislike you is they don't like to see somebody who's 39 years old who's published, you know, 350 papers in two books. You know, they also don't like to see success. Mm. And I think that that's that's, or, 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 you know, or, or, or things that they wish they had a popular podcast or, mm. you know, the ability to speak mm. in full sentences or anything. <laughs> the ability to speak <laughs> in sentences and have a train of thought that goes in some direction. You know, that might be part of it. Um, and, and when they dislike you, they can, I, I think, it can feel as if they make your life difficult because they talk about you all the time. They create fake accounts. They screenshot you. Even if you block them, they keep screenshotting you. I mean, there's a there's an associate professor at Northwestern University who I uh, publicly blocked because he always mischaracterizes my arguments. And he runs multiple fake accounts just to keep screenshotting me and has a whole thread of all the screenshots. Is that is that the behavior of a normal person that, you know, wow. um, 
I mean, I, I, I don't have time to go investigate people. Yeah, you've never, you've never really done that to anybody, have you? I'm trying to, like, I mean, is that your MO? No, I mean, unless you're trying to make a point, unless you're saying, well, look, look what this person is saying. Yeah, no, but I, but even then, I also think that like it's not useful to I mean, I almost never take someone else's argument to make my point. I just make my own point on my own terms, because why do I want to be anchored to their right. silly way of phrasing it? The only time I actually right, right, right. Uh, sort of criticized somebody very harshly, I think, but it was well deserved, was this person was like, you know, some some uh, graduating resident who kept calling me a buffoon and imbecile, et cetera. And then this person like filed a records request for like my financial documents and started like literally harassing me, you know, outside of wow. these, yeah, like fi filing records requests and, uh, you know, FOIA requests and all this crazy stuff. And so then I call this person out. But besides that, I mean, and I think that really crosses the line where you're, you're not, it's not on social yeah. media anymore. They're like submitting, you know, formal FOIA request. Like, and what are you looking for? I was like, you're gonna find nothing yeah. of interest. But anyway, because the truth is, I hold my positions because this is what I believe. Okay, I mean, it's no, there's no secret. Yeah. There's no secret. There's no, there's no mal malevolent plan. It's just that that's just what I believe. Right. You know. Okay. So you're gonna find that I believe that. Okay. So, um, but that person I called out. But I, I really don't like to. Um, but I'll tell you what, Azubin. It's also. I mean, I don't like to not because I'm a better person. Let's forget about that. But I mean, <laughs> I don't like to because it's tactically not smart. Like if you spend yeah. all your time screenshotting me, you just draw more people's attention to me and then they're going to come. And maybe for every nine people who you create who dislike me, you might create one person who really likes me. And I'll tell you a little story. Yeah. There is somebody, and I won't name names, there is somebody, and this person's an oncologist. And this person is now like my greatest ally. Like every time, you know, we've, you know, we, we, we like works on stuff in the same vein and we always agree and, you know, we, we support each other and that kind of thing. And I asked this person and then this person said like, you know, I really, I really love your podcast plenary session and it really kind of opened my eyes to thinking about oncology. Like I had been thinking about it in one way, sort of a pro industry way. I started listening to your podcast and I really felt a transformation and I read your book and I really love it and that kind of stuff. And then I said, oh, wow, how did you ever find it? That was my question. How did you find it? And this person said this to me, Zubin, said, I would go to this clinic and the clinic was a senior investigator. And every clinic, the senior investigator would talk about how you're a piece of shit and just keep talking about VP is a piece of shit, VP is a piece of shit. Just the senior investigator just talk about it all the time in clinic. And this person was like, who is VP? <laughs> why? Why is my? Yeah, this person was like, why is my boss obsessed with this guy and just always talking yeah. trash about him? And then he was like, I, I yeah. have to investigate. And then he started listening to the podcast. And then he used his own brain and was like, well, maybe he has a point. Maybe he has a point. And so ironically, I think the more you actually anchor to someone else in crafting your message, the more you inadvertently lose the lose the message. I mean, what's I mean, yeah. I guess I'd say, what is the goal? If the goal is you want your idea to propagate, I think you should be very careful about drawing attention to the the idea you don't want to propagate. I think you need to find a way to advance your argument without advancing their argument. Mm, man, that's that's actually the most compelling thing I've heard in terms of uh, uh, in terms of continuing to engage in that way. Because even by by making this whole thing a thing about this Cal Academy of Sciences, look, it would have just been a nothing burger. Right now, the California Academy of Sciences, who they so desperately want to protect from being bullied by a you know five foot five bald guy with with a YouTube channel, <laughs> they you know do you know Cal Academy of Sciences has two hundred and fifty thousand plus Twitter followers, and I had a hundred thousand when I deleted my account. Like they're hmm. a bigger account than me. Um, but I, I think they, that's they like, it's now... so disingenuous to say that an individual 
can bully a museum can, can, because because it's an, uh, uh, an academy. Yes, no, it's a, it's an, <laughs> first of all, and, and how much in annual donations do they swallow? I'm sure it's in the millions. Oh my this god, is, and this, it must be it's tens of millions. At least. Maybe. So yeah. what I think what I so, think is that's inaccurate. What 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 actually happened was an in a, a rare individual with the courage to call things out challenged a policy that is both scientifically inaccurate and structurally racist. That was the policy. And these people mm. who, who think that the Cal Academy is the victim, they're so deluded. You know what else is the, I know they're bad. I know they don't think clearly because they also think that they think school closures protect vulnerable children. They're so, their yeah. brains are operating so poorly. Are scrambled. You, are scrambled. Yeah. They don't understand. School closures harm disadvantaged kids. They harm them the most. They don't save them. They yeah. harm them the most. And Cal Academy's policy is the worst for the poorest kid whose parents are the most reluctant to vaccinate. That's who Cal Academy is hurting. The kid who is not going to yeah. get to go to the museum and maybe won't dream of being a scientist someday. That's who Cal Academy's yeah. policy is hurting. And doing it for what? To keep their population safe? They're not keeping anyone safe because it doesn't make any sense at all. That's who the policy is hurting. So these people are you so know, backwards. You, and the best part of it on their fucking website, they have a whole diversity and inclusion piece, how, you know, we're trying to improve diversity in science by, by, by restricting your museum to white and Asian kids. Like, is that your and then and then later, they'll well, we need more STEM uh, minorities in STEM. It's like, well, then how about not closing schools and setting back minority kids by a generation? I got to keep on this you issue fucking that- white kids safe. You know, I saw I saw recently in it's, oncology with, you know, Russia invading Ukraine. There's somebody said that, like, um, as a show of solidarity, you know, I saw somebody tweeted that a journal has said we are no longer going to publish scientific manuscripts from Russian universities. And then somebody else tweeted um, as a show of solidarity, we're going to end all collaborations with Russian institutes and Russian scientists and not do any cancer research in Russia. And then I re- and I wanted to say to them and I, some maybe I'm um, thinking of the right way to say it to them, which is that. Who, who do you think you're, you know, and these are the same people who are, you know, constantly virtue signaling. I'm like, who right. do you think you are hurting? You think you're hurting the, the, the leaders of Russia by doing this? <laughs> you're, you're hurting the average person in Russia who has cancer. You're hurting a scientist who yeah. may, may themselves be under oppression and opposing the yeah. regime. Who are you hurting? Yeah. And also, what does a scientist working in some university, science, you're not going to publish it in your journal because of the actions taken by the government? It's a very dangerous precedent, you know, and it's, it's crazy. And similarly, on this issue of, you know, diversity, which is a very important issue. Um, it has been misused by people who would rather gain points for being the good people that actually do the things that will make society better and more diverse Worse, and more yeah. inclusive, which is yeah. the things often their policies run counter to that. Um, you know, yeah. it's sad. Yeah, agree. They agree. It's, it's, again, there's that virtue signaling thing. And Ukraine's a great example. It's like, well, we can destroy the average Russian person by inflating, deflating, the, inflating the yeah. ruble and their life savings is wiped away. And that doesn't, it's not going to touch Putin at all. It's not like they're going to overthrow him. You know, when I talk about Ukraine, I attack Putin directly. Like it's this guy, right? And his you oligarchs. You have to be. Um, I mean, that are, well, anyway, yeah. we don't uh, get. I mean, but I do think you're yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. right that that when any time you have to be very careful that pressure you apply goes to where you want to put the squeeze, yeah, not where you don't want to put the squeeze. And anyway, but yep. that's that's yep. above our yep. pay grade. But um, back to this. Ooh, the last thing I wanted the to say. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say about this is, I mean, I I honestly believe your critics are disingenuous. But I honestly believe that you you probably are personally right to um, to quit because you don't need it in your life. Um, and then the third part, the third thing I wanted to say was why why I stay um, is that 
every so often, um, uh, who am like, like by me tweeting about some topic, somebody in the mainstream journalism sees that and they see that it is actually sound and they say, Hey, will you submit an op-ed to, you know, major outlet? And that is a way to mm. amplify what I think is the correct message. And so I do think that, mm. you know, I mean, what can I control? I, I mean, I, I guess, and then the other thing is, you know, I can, I mean, you'll never be able to control all these people who dislike you, you know, and um, it just can't be controlled. I mean, so I just think that you just have to, um, it's very difficult to not let it bother you. And and maybe both you and I, it's, it's bothered us to some degree, surely. I mean, it's, you can't be human and not be bothered by a bunch of, idiots talking trash but um i think you have to be like very like to use it effectively you have to be very clear about what your mission is like what do you, what do you want to accomplish like why are you using it and you have to really always be mission focused and i think the problem mm. that happens is um if your mission is you want some of these policies to change it should always be about the policy about the policy about the policy almost never talk about a different another person um, you know, that's, that's tangential. That's not your mission. And, and, and then I also think that once upon a time, five years ago, you could use it to have a dialogue with someone, but that's also gone. Like there's just no possibility for dialogue. So I think like never reply to anybody. It's kind of a sad way to say, but that, that's the reality. Never reply to anybody. What is your mission? Advance your mission. Um, forget about everybody else and, uh, ignore, mm. ignore, ignore. May, 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 you know, I think that's, that's a pretty well put, you know, because I, I have had positive things come from Twitter where it is you're influencing influencers in a way. Um, yeah. because, and if you're, if your goal is to change a policy, it works very, very well now, you know, so I'll, I'll be thinking on that. I mean, I have 30 days, uh, you know, one thing though, see, one thing I'm concerned about is if I just let it delete, it'll be yeah. replaced by a bot instantly. Correct. Um, and I have an idea that for bothers you. me. I have an idea for you. Yeah. Yeah. Within the 30 days before the bot will take it over, you um you 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 reactivate it so that it doesn't like it doesn't mm -hmm. get lost. So you have it. Right. And then and then you give your password to someone else so that like you have somebody else change the password so you can't log in. So you can't literally cannot oh. log in. And then and then and then yeah. give it 6 months. Give it six, give it a year. Yeah. You know, give it a year away. And then and then and then you you make a deal with this person saying like look under no circumstances can they tell you your password for a year, and then a year from now you go back and I or, you, you decide like a year from now the choice is still open to you uh, I think that's what I would say. Is is this is the most complicated Vinay Prasad phishing scheme to get control of my account I've ever heard. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I, I'm just going to need your credit card number to do this. <laughs> yeah. What are those? What are those three Actually, numbers on the back, Z? Those three numbers on the back. <laughs> uh, Seven hundred and forty-three point six. That's yeah, dude. That's uh, that's actually really, that's a that's a good thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that. But yeah, no, no, we. This is a good discussion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, yeah, a lot to what think about. What a bunch about. of idiots, these, I mean, extremists. <laughs> 
and there's that. And, uh, yeah. But you know, the thing is all they've done now is they've, they've continued to have me talk about Cal Academy, whereas I would not have. Now I'm going to continue to talk about this policy until they I change mean, it. I don't know. You know. I mean, I thought most people, from my looking at it, most people agreed with you that the policy was crazy. They sure know? did. And, yeah, and they like, sure did. And, 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 you know, there's so many people on Twitter that are from Europe and then they look over and they're like, God, these Americans, they're like, they think like we're throwing yeah. feces at each other. I mean, they just think that like our policies are so backwards, so, so hard yeah. on children and young people and so weak on. Oh, yep. that reminds me. I just saw this this morning. Lino, um, this was from the Washington Post. Um, let me pull up the, the pull up the figure. It was OK. Here it is. The majority of children have had the virus, CDC says. About 58% of children have had COVID during the pandemic, and the CDC estimated by analyzing blood test samples for antibodies. Adults have had lower rates. So under the age of 17, we're talking about it's, it's almost 60%. Um, and the United Kingdom put out their seroprevalence. They're 96% for people under the age of 18. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. Um, I, have a, I have a thesis that I've argued, and I think it's actually sound, that any child... Anybody in any, any well, let's just stick with children. Any child who had zero prevalence positivity before they were vaccinated only suffered negative harms of restrictions because restrictions were not sufficient to prevent that child from meeting COVID and overcoming COVID prior to vaccination. The restriction, all they did was affect the child's life negatively. It kept them out of school, but they got COVID anyway. And had they gotten it six months before, they would have done just as fine as had they got it six months later. And by the way, if it's 58% of kids under the 17 have had COVID, the truth is that most of those kids have had and cleared COVID. You didn't even know about it. You didn't even know about it, yeah. right? It slipped under your radar. Yeah. This also has implications for vaccinating and boosting. You don't even know, but you know your own child may have had two doses and a COVID, you know? And so in that case, what is the, benef- what is the marginal benefit of a booster? It's even less than it was without that, which is already very low. Um, you know, and should we have vaccine mandates for 58% of uh, 5 to 11 year olds who've had COVID-19? It's, cr- it's ludicrous. Um, those kids are not going to be able to experience much upside. They will only experience the downside. Um, and then we can talk about this vaccine effectiveness study that came out from the New York State. That was yeah. brilliant. I think, that's, I think that's a great segue into that because the question is, what is the marginal benefit of these restrictive mandates and coercive policies on the actual health and outcomes for children? And as you said, the Europeans do things differently and they're not dying in the streets and their kids are not uh, uh, in, in long COVID wards and they're not dying in <laughs> MISC wards, right? You know, we're not filling up this, <laughs> the wards with long COVID patients. There's two types um, of long COVID so, studies. There's long COVID studies that show it's incredibly common and affects many, many people post-COVID and has many, many complications and there's studies with control arms. So those are the two types of, <laughs> the two types of long COVID studies. Those are the two types. Oh man, that, oh, oh boy. That's the one that's gonna get us the angry emails from Well, but actually there is who... data. Alistair Monroe, he just put out, you know, I think the, the upper bound ceiling for long COVID in kids is about less than 1%. And the thing that people talk about most is taste or smell abnormalities because we all know COVID loves oh. that old, those olfactory bulbs. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, not much else is shaking out. It's very important because um, yes, you need to take seriously long COVID, but no, you can't exaggerate it to suit your preconceived policy notions like wanting to keep children in masks for a thousand years or whatever you want. You know, that, that would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is, totally makes sense. So this five to 11 uh, study out of the New York Department That's of Public Health. Yeah, oh my god. So I guess what I'd say is, I mean, the take home points are, um, this is vaccine effectiveness. Um, 
there's always the observational biases of confounding and et cetera that go into that. But if anything, I believe those biases would generally um, uh, distort vaccine effectiveness, make it appear more effective when it is in fact less effective. Um, but one of the things they found rather clearly is that in five to 11 year old group, even 51 days after they've been vaccinated, Z, we're not talking about months and months and months, 51 days after they've been vaccinated, okay? The vaccine effectiveness, five to 11 year olds is 12%. 12%. And the confidence interval is wide. Mm. Right, now, the confidence interval is narrow for, for symptomatic COVID. It's a 12% reduction. Mm. For hospitalization, they say it's better. It's 40%, but the confidence interval spans one, so it's not statistically significant. So, I mean, I would just mm. say hospitalizations are so infrequent in kids in that age group. Yes. You, yes. That no matter, vaccinated or not, they're very unlikely to be hospitalized. But if they get two yeah. doses of vaccine, they're only 12% less likely to get symptomatic COVID-19. That is very low. That is so low that yeah. had that been the original efficacy in the original Pfizer trial, it wouldn't have been authorized. The it FDA never would have been approved. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, mean, and, and yeah. Oh, go ahead. No. But so, so wait, you know, yeah. one, one point I want to make about this the original data set was so small, right? Yes, that when you yes. see the post marketing and you see what's actually happening, you go, wow, you know, maybe a bigger trial would have helped tease this out. Yeah. Now, Omicron may have changed things too, but still, come on. Yeah, come on. I mean, and how know, much of this is low dose, you know, lower dose? Yes. So I think there's two hypotheses. Uh, I mean, there's multiple hypotheses, maybe more than two, but at least one is the dose. And, and, the, and, the, and the authors tried to persuade you it was dose dependent because the vaccine effectiveness right. in 11 year olds was sort of lower than 12. And that's where there's yeah, that 12 step. was the highest vaccine efficacy, even if like a lot of teens. Yes. So because they're small kids with a high dose. Yeah. So, you know, this is like the regression discontinuity design. Two people are just on the other side of the cutoff to see what is the effect of the dose. But I think there's some other caveats, which is that like all of the 12-year-olds who um, got vaccinated got vaccinated a long ago, and all of the 11-year-olds who got vaccinated got vaccinated 50 days ago. So that's one difference. So it's mm. not just dose, it's also the timing. And then the other thing is, um, as time goes on, some people may have had COVID and been tested for COVID and recovered from COVID, and those people might be much less likely to be tested again. There might be differences in behavior and testing around that. And then the other thing is, is like, um, I'm not sure they had enough power to look for a regression discontinuity. So, I mean, putting those mm. things together, I guess I would say that like, I am, I'm open to the possibility it is a dose issue, but I'm also open to the possibility it's not. But either way, I don't mm. think it's going to help anybody because, you know, if anyone wants to go back and give five to 11 year old, I don't know, a third dose or a higher dose, that's a lot of drug development. I mean, that's going to put that's mm. that's at least a few months project to kind of do that research. Meanwhile, Pfizer and Moderna have Omicron specific vaccines and trials. So I would imagine that before you would dose increase the old ancestral mRNA strain, I would imagine you would probably want to try to put try the newer version of the mRNA product for the actually dominant mu strain. But maybe you know what I mean. Like, why would they even go back and work yeah. on that? Yeah. Why would why why use the Wuhan strain? Right. Yeah. Exactly. If you're going to retrial it anyways. And yeah, I mean, at this point, the risk, and again, this is one of those things where there's appeal to emotion here, right? From the COVIDian, uh, COVID extremists. Well, you never mentioned the 1400 kids who've lost their lives uh, from, from, you know, a combination of MISC and COVID and so on. And it's like, well, I just did a <laughs> B. So why would, would the, that would make you force you into making a bad scientific decision for protecting children? Like it, it doesn't make sense. Um, I guess, yeah. Like, that's I, mean, an, I guess yeah. the thing is like, I mean, does COVID 
sometimes kill children? The answer is absolutely. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. But is COVID for adults is a t- transformative illness. I mean, it's gotten to, you know, it, 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 it is rivaling heart disease and cancer. COVID for children is yeah. one of many risks they face. I mean, it's substantively different. The IFR for COVID, I think, is on par with flu. Um, so the risk that any individual who gets COVID is going to get very sick is on par with flu. Um, I think there is a difference between kids who are very overweight and kids who are not very overweight. There's a difference between right. kids who are healthy and kids who are not that healthy. Interestingly, unlike adults where we say like immunocompromised people are more susceptible to COVID, there's data in kids saying that it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. The things that you traditionally consider of immunocompromised are, are not the same things you would consider immunocompromised for a kid for COVID. So it's a little bit different. Mm. Um, it's it's mm. more diabetes, obesity rather than, you know, B cell depletion and things like that as it is for adults. There's right. some data from the UK. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, any medical product it's not the risk you face. It's that what is the absolute risk reduction of the intervention, which is now, you know, a 12% absolute risk reduction or 12% relative risk reduction for symptomatic relative risk, too, yeah. versus what are the harms? And, um, and how do you weigh those two? And the problem with that is that it's very difficult when you don't run large studies to weigh those two. And it's very difficult with the shifting sands under your feet, you know, as a different strain comes dominant. And so... You know, just because you're afraid and just because some kids have died doesn't mean you should give a vaccine product that doesn't work. I mean, what if what if the vaccine effectiveness was truly zero? Do they still think we should be vaccinating? I mean, what, is there is there a lower bound to what they think they'll accept? Yeah. I mean, the FDA had said the answer is 50 percent. But how low do they want to go? I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's really a kind of a wake up, you know, and, and the question then is, oh, you increase the dose in kids. Well, then you get do you get the same myocarditis numbers that you or oh, worse course. in young That's kids? Gonna, yeah. yeah, of course. And, you know, That's I mean, so it becomes an issue. But, I, you know, it, it, so much of this <clears throat> again. And so this is the science here, right? This is the best science we have so far. And it's still flawed. But boy, it tells you that the things you've been asking for, which are bigger trials and, you know, more risk benefit analysis and so on. It, it's It's an accurate thing to. To, to ask. And, you know, there was recent data, again, that so much of this just happens to fall, like how you see these things from a policy and a social standpoint falls in your politics. So they did some recent data and they were saying, you know, again, and I'm simplifying it, Republicans really worried about the the cost to society, the economic damage, the cost to children's development, much more than they're worried about the dangers of COVID itself, uh, et cetera. And they're also worried more about the risks of the vaccine than than they think there are benefits. And that's a political thing. And then Democrats are the opposite. And it's crazy that that's the case. And again, it has to do with what people value. What are, What's their moral matrix? What do they actually value? And then a piece of it is truly the kind of hive mind tribalization and media that's been pushing both groups into those directions. So that's why, a study that's like why, this, yeah. you could- Yeah, go on. No, that, that's, that's yeah, one of the ahead. things that I feel so different from these other people, which is that- Politically, on almost the vast majority of domestic policy issues, I'm like very close to Bernie, you know, on drug pricing and reforming FDA and Medicare for all and uh, social safety net, very close to Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. And yet on COVID, I think the progressive left, they screwed up big time. And, yeah, they, they're, uh, yeah. they're going to be punished for it. They're going to be punished for it. And, I, you know, um, somebody has, on Twitter put it very nicely. He called it... Um, what they're doing is political suicide. COVID extremism is political yeah. suicide. They're tying themselves yeah. to masking two-year-olds. Like masking two-year-olds. Yeah. Like, can you imagine somebody who'd like just never, somebody just went to high school or didn't even finish high school 
and they look at yeah. the two-year-old chewing the mask and they think that you yeah. need to tell me this is compulsory and then they look on the airplane yeah. and like their family getting ejected off the airplane for not doing it when you land at the destination and it's like a thousand people in a ski lodge like they they it, you don't have to know anything to see the absurdity of the policy like it doesn't make sense and they're gonna it doesn't make you. sense they're gonna punish you in the voting booth Do- so, 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 so two things. Yeah. One is, do you know what uh, the California Academy of Sciences mask policy is? No. What is the mask policy? Uh, they make they make it quite clear on their on their on their thing. Every child two years old and up must be masked at all times. If the mask slips off their face, we can eject you from the museum. Shut up. Um, yeah. One, and, one um, strike, you're out. Well, then why do they have all these I mean, booster and, I mean, the test negative, <laughs> boost negative and wear them? What the hell are they doing? Yeah, what no, are they, they doing? all have to mask too. You have to mask as well. So there, there's just no, there's no rationality there. That is a, that is a COVID extreme policy, you should, right? You shouldn't and be allowed to honestly, take a You should have to take a deep breath and then hold your breath like uh, Eric Garcetti did for the photo with magic. <laughs> you hold your breath while you're in the museum and then come running out. <laughs> come running out. Right? Hold exactly. your breath. You know kids can hold their breath. Hold They're good breath. at tantrums. Dude. It is. And you and listen, you have every right to be punished for bad policy decisions. Like people can vote with their wallets and their feet and in the voting booth. And I think that's what's going to happen. Did you see that? You saw the Saturday Night Live skit about yeah, the COVID dinner party? Joking. Yeah, oh, it's a brilliant. Yeah, finally, brilliant. SNL is like actually talking common sense. Finally, yeah. I know. And, and, <laughs> and, there's, and, and, and it, with comedy, they actually pointed out. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, wow, this is a sea change where they're saying, well, wow, you know, maybe all these. It's, it's yeah. going to get. It's it's just the start. Right now, people are fine. Like, the moment you can joke about it, it's really culturally yeah. very important now. Like, yeah. Be, I mean, yeah. I don't know. You know, I I published that. Uh, you know, three hundred fifty reference, and oh, we got it. We got it accepted in a journal. It'll be published soon. Um, our umbrella Congrats. systematic review of masking, and we looked at the evidence pre COVID, post COVID, during COVID, and it's you know rather weak. Um, uh, yeah. Cloth masking, I think, was always um, you know, was a mistake. I I guess recently I did actually respond to the former Surgeon General because he said something that kind of irritated me where he said that like even though Jerome the mask Adams, mandates yeah. yeah even though the mask mandates are falling he said I will continue to wear a mask in public places and I encourage others to do so to protect the immunocompromised and what bothered me about it was mm. that you know if you're wearing a cloth mask in a grocery store to protect the immunocompromised you may make yourself feel good but you ain't protecting them one bit. And in You're fact, you might anything, even be yeah. jeopardizing their life because now they're more comfortable going to said grocery store yeah, or going to yeah, said, right? Yeah. And you're wearing a mask that's ineffective. So what are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's like saying, I'm going to slaughter a goat before I go out to keep COVID at bay and therefore I can go to the bar. You know, it's like not going to be so Absolutely. Helpful. What we ought to be doing is saying, if you're immunocompromised, either try to avoid those places if you can get away with it. And if you can't, wear an N95 well-fitting mask and get vaccinated and boosted. I mean, that that's what we ought to be focusing on, not on, you know, I'm going to wear a cloth mask to virtue signal that I care about immunocompromised people. It's, it's again, these policy decisions, people are going to be punished for this. Like Biden's approving approval ratings are abysmal. Like he's doing state of the union tonight. And look, you and I both have, I have sympathies across the political spectrum, right? right. I, I actually really am an independent. I really am kind of alt middle, but I, I'll say this, like my, my liberal sensibility is, is it's scared for what's going to happen. <laughs> the backlash of this is going to be, it's going to be deserved and it's going to come very hard. And so uh, and, and that's actually and honestly, what I think, which you know, is that like um, my liber- like my progressive side of me is that well, 
you know, the progressives got a choice. Here's the choice. They could have given people, um, you know, tr- finally really closed all the, all the holes and had sort of a universal health care. They could have actually had universal basic income. They could have given people something that really would have transformed a generation. But they decided mm. that that wasn't their priority. Their priority was masking toddlers. I don't know why they two decided year olds. that. Two-year-olds. They decided to mask two-year-olds and up. Uh, okay, they decided that would be their priority. They pushed that relentlessly, and they decided that closing schools for minority and poor children was their priority, and now they're going to get hung for it uh, politically, they're, and they're not yeah. going to be able to do all the things that would have helped people, and so the next 20 years will be worse. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's really how yeah. I feel. Like, what an idiot. You know, like, how... How stupid are you that you got distracted by masking a two-year-old that you took your eye off what (laughs) Americans actually want, which is that people are suffering in their lives and you're not making it better. And what you're doing is making it worse. And your obsession with the stupid airplane, masking on the airplane, masking the kid, you know, masking, masking, masking. You're so obsessed with masking. Um, and you're so obsessed with pushing <laughs> boosters in young people that you are not vaccinating 65 year olds. By the way, that same seroprevalence shows lower seroprevalence in older age groups. By the way, and some Ooh, of them are still unvaccinated. They're more the at risk, you know. And so it's yeah. just like I don't know. I thought we on the political left. I mean, I don't know. We I thought we were it's the party of science. Not anymore. I don't think that anymore. I think we're now. I think we're done. We're we're I, I, no. I think there's a there's a lot of people have lost their way. You know what I hope happens actually is that it it generates a more nuanced middle ground where people can actually pick and choose issues based on issues instead of on tribal affiliation. And uh, you know, like you have, like you say, you're progressive on these issues, but you really disagree on what we're doing coercively in these other uh, arenas. And uh, so that that's a very like nuanced position. But I think it's you know, that, and that's another reason that Twitter kind of. It triggers my immune responses. It, it rarely seems a place of nuance, and I get it. I understand why it's structured that way. Um, so, you know, my sort of mission has been on how how can I encourage people. And, and the thing is, the thing is, like, I get these emails. It's interesting. Even after this whole Twitter thing, I get a lot of emails from doctors who are like, "Dude, I can't even talk about this stuff. It's so lonely thinking this way. Like being being like sympathetic to this, but also feeling strongly about this, and like opening your mouth and getting shot down at meetings and feeling like there's a group think and so on." And and I hear this from liberal doctors and conservative doctors. So on both yeah. sides of the political aisle, they feel excluded. So hopefully that'll emerge this new sort of integral viewpoint. But but again, it has to be worked on. It has I think to that be might've been one of the first things where the left lost me a little bit, which is that, you know, when I was growing up, censorship was the thing that the man did oh. not like progressive people but the censoring Absolutely. the canceling remember when those dr seuss books got you know banned and i was i was like oh what? yeah i mean wh- i mean come on i was like it's a do- dr come seuss on. book and uh and you know no, it's a it's a hurt it's a hurtful book to read i was like well you know i can understand why some people would feel that way but uh i certainly right. don't think the solution is that no one is allowed to read the book it's a historical book I mean, you know, there are things that happened in the Bible that are kind of rough around the edges. So we're going to ban the Bible, you know, like can't read it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a historical document. I was like, this guy was a 20th, 20, 20th century genius in terms of, 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 of poetry for children. Uh, you, you don't want to read his first book, his that, like Mulberry Street. You're not allowed to read it. It's the most seminal work. Uh, OK, fine. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. really kind of a crazy. So I wrote this thing called Public Health yeah. Needs Restrictions. And here's my thesis. Um, I just mm. saw that. As of February 28th, so yesterday, New York City public schools are finally letting kids take the mask off outside. Outside. Now they can take it off outside. <laughs> That's absurd. 
Yeah. And um, the Cal Academy, you know, with their stupid policy. And here's what I say. There are two groups. They're government entities that do things for public health. And then there are all these private actors that do things in the name of public health. And for two years now, they've been putting restrictions on everyone else. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can't come in without this. You know what? Going forward, we need to put restrictions on them. They're not allowed to have these policies. You can't let some rando preschool mandate a vaccine that's under the auspices of EUA. I mean, that to me is crazy. And if governments oh. want us all to like mask for years on end, there should be an obligation to do a randomized trial and show that it works or it has to be rescinded within three months or six months or something like that. There should be a statute of limitations on the precautionary principle. Um, mm. And so I have some other suggestions in the essay. But basically... Public health needs to face restrictions going forward. We can't let them have unfettered authority like this. Can't let some Golden Gate Park Museum set these crazy rules and coerce boosters. And, you know, also, if they excluded people based on a certain race, if they didn't let Indian people in, they would be litigated for that. They can't do that. Right. Illegal. But so then you can use like a like what they're doing. Do it in a backdoor way. Yeah, right. It's a proxy for right. Backdoor way. Yeah. So, so quick question. So yeah. how does say the California Academy of Sciences fit into this as a, as public health, since they're technically, I guess, a private entity or a not for profit or something. So I guess the way I would do it is I think we need to make very clear legally that if a medical product is under the auspices of EUA, that no private entity can legally mandate it, but that's been violated, right? Because yeah. we have mandates for vaccines yeah. that are, st that are, you know, while they're under EUA and boosters under EUA. Um, it should be mm. illegal to mandate a drug product under the auspices of EUA. In fact, my understanding of the law prior to COVID was that that was the case. But then I met the University of California booster policy and many other policies that violated. Oh yeah, you know. So yeah. I mean, I think it should be it, it should be illegal. But you know, there's some lawyer wrote me this super long email about how, you know, although sympathetic to my views, enacting it in the law is very complicated. And so I, I do mm. admit mm -hmm. that you know. Mm. But this person is, is this is this article is this yes, article out now? Yes, okay. It's on my, yeah. It's on my Substack. Okay. Can you'll give me a link so I can include it in the show notes? Perfect. Oh, yeah, I'll put it in there. And then yeah, I guess if anyone's listening who has legal expertise, how can I make what I want happen? That's what I want to know. <laughs> nice. Want to Actual policy make. change. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that would be that would be awesome, dude. Uh, yes. Oh, gosh. I I really think like when all this is done and the retrospectoscope is applied, everything that we've been talking about is pretty much going to be shown to be like, oh, those guys it's were kind of right. right. Like. I mean, yeah, it's about, already right. So like Steph Brawl, Wes and I wrote that thing in BMJ in May about how like the kids vaccine, it shouldn't be EUA, it should do a formal BLA. So it has more, more studies to show efficacy in a variety of circumstances and have better sort of safety data. And now, you mm. know, it, it, they didn't listen to us. And now they have vaccine effectiveness mm. of 12%. And they don't know what to do. They're stuck. Mm. I mean, I think they really are. I, mm. I, I also think people, this dose thing is a trick is they're stuck. Here's why. Um, how, what are they going to do going forward? Are they going to add a third dose? Uh, that may not mm. that may not overcome the deficiencies. Uh, in fact, right. will, and will the third dose be a higher dose? Are they going to go back and redo the first two doses? They only have 20% market share. By the way, 80% of kids have not been vaccinated in that age group because parents are, right. of course, common sense reluctant. You know, the old <laughs> saying Smart, in medicine, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be the first to do something, don't be the last to do it. You know, the old medical saying. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and, and exactly. that's a natural human attitude. I don't want to be the first, you know, you, you get boosted first and yeah, then I'll go, I'll go, I'll go after you. Uh, you know, and, and yeah. I don't want to be the last to be boosted either. Then I'm a crazy person the other way. So, you know, I want to be in the middle. That's how people are. And so, you know, that's where parents are on this issue too. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And, and you know, and 
I really worry that we've set back public health and ch- children's vaccinations by a generation. And the oh, same co- you know, COVID extremists that are pushing this stuff are harming their cause directly through blindness and, and hubris. They, they really, you know, it's really, really insane. Um, it's think, heartbreaking actually because, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's only, I guess, uh, I, I agree with you so much. The only possible, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if they truly believe this, that these things are important, they have, they fucked it up. They, they really did. They screwed it yeah. up. I mean, they are yeah. screwing it up by the day. Their extremism is screwing it up. It's, first of all, it's screwing things up politically. Now, uh, you know, the Dems are going to get obliterated, I think, for this. Um, and yeah. you know, I hate to say they deserve it, but, you know, they do deserve it. But what that means is that mm-hmm. some of the good policies they were going to enact, they're not going to do. They were too distracted yeah. by masking two-year-olds. They didn't want to give us, you know, uh, dr- drug price reform. Okay, fine. That's a mistake. I would have done the other right. way. Right. But, you know, right. what do I know? I'm just a populist politician. You know, I just know what people want. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, uh, um, you know, and, and they're, they're hurting vaccines. But, you know, but on another way to look at it is, this is, this is going to be sound really cynical. Tell, you, tell me what you think. I mean, if... If you're part of this group of people whose online and tribal identity is to be the anti-anti-vax person championing this and writing blogs and screaming about it and calling your opponents morons and that kind of stuff and feeling superior, well, the best thing Mm -hmm. for you is to have a very strong anti-vax faction to keep yourself in business. And so they have essentially guaranteed that for 25 years, I think, that they're going to be in business. A thousand percent. And you know what's funny is that this gets me to an interesting thing. So somebody had sent me like, there was this Facebook group called Refutations to Anti-Vax Memes. And someone had sent me this, like years ago, they used to, we used to kind of collaborate on some uh, vaccine stuff. But it's so fascinating. Even the name of the group is so wonky and nerdy and impossible for an ordinary person to even decipher. Like, what does that even mean? Refutations to anti-vaccine me. Like, what's going on? So they, they, it's a bunch of nerds who create the, like pro-vaccine memes that are really not that funny, but they're, you know, they're interesting and quirky and nerdy, but they're not going to convince anybody to vaccinate. So apparently they just, someone sent me a thing where they're like, Z-Dog MD, who used to, you know, we used to think highly of as a total grifter and con man and anti-vaxxer and this and that. I'm like, so this is, this, it, these are the people that are supposed to be promoting vaccines. They're that blind as to call me a freaking anti-vaxxer because I'm not an absolutist about you know, boosters for 12 year olds. Uh, so I think I, if those are the people that are our strongest advocates, we're in big trouble, right? Yeah, We need to really problem. broaden that. Yeah, we really I mean, need to I broaden guess, it. Like, I guess I feel sad because like, if they don't understand that, I mean, Phil Krause, Marion Gruber, they worked there for 25 years as FDA director and deputy director of vaccine products. Paul Offit, he made a vaccine. Yeah. Z-Dog has been a proponent of vaccines. VP has given a lot of vaccines and is a practicing physician. If these people start to tell you that, look, your zealotry your, is good, but, um, uh, oh, look, I was just looking at her. Like, <laughs> I just saw my name on their website. I just looked at it. I was a doctor, but I produced <laughs> 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 These guys, these guys, oh, they're really they're amazing. I didn't believe, I was like, oh, wow, I wonder what they're talking about. They're like, oh, I'm of course me. VP, of course VP's in there. Of, of course, course I'm, VP's in I'm there. I'm mixed up in there. But, you know, I, yeah. I just think that, I mean, uh, I, I guess I just really struggle to understand their point of view. Do they really think that 
that they who don't spend time thinking about these issues like the nitty gritty of trials and appraisal, they're the ones that are right. And all these other people, <laughs> the, the people who worked at vaccine products for 25 years, as a, they, they were they're they're anti-vaxxers. I mean, I, I mean, do they really think that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then in Sweden, oh, I, I, they always have this to say about Sweden. They say, you know, Sweden's not recommending vaccines five to eleven. Well, that's because they have a uh, that's because they have universal health insurance. We don't have that, so you know we have to. But 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 I, but like <laughs> let, let me let, let me push the argument. I was like, so what you're saying is that they they don't want to vaccinate children because they have universal health insurance. Because by that you mean that even if those kids get sick that they're happy to take care of them in the hospital and build the insurance. Like you think they, they want their kids sick? <laughs> like, I like just think through the logic of it. Like how, they want their kids sick so that they can use the God. insurance. That's not how it works. They don't want their kids sick. If it, if they really thought it was overwhelmingly of benefit, they would have done it, but they don't. And you know why they don't? Because the vaccine effectiveness is 12%. It just found out yesterday. That's why they didn't. Cause they're not stupid people. They're smart. They're not stupid. They're not stupid. They're not, stupid. They're not stupid, man. That's just amazing. 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 It's just amazing. Look, oh, this is amazing. funny, man. I'm looking at these refutations to anti-vaccine memes. They've got about like 380,000 followers on Facebook, which grew a lot from when the early days when I was um, uh, hanging out with them. What a disgusting take from a grifter and fraud we all used to admire. He's done nothing but make videos this pandemic saying it was over and people are overreacting. He's not worked a day in hospital this pandemic and said sits on the sidelines pandering to the worst elements, feeling sorry for himself. Just disgraceful. And they took a screenshot of our video, let, We Let Them Die Alone, about how we forced people to die alone so in sad. hospitals. Yeah. And they used that as the example of what a grifter you, you, you and me are like, but we were I'm the sorry, only but these ones. people are we, sick. We, now, finally, more people are coming out and talking about that. But when we talked about it, we were the only ones. And it's such an important issue that we let people die alone and lost our humanity. And it's also one of the extremist issues. That's why, you know, one political party is going to get pummeled in the next election. And yeah, I guess this, I don't even understand what they always say grifter, but, but. Yeah, what, what is that? So that means I'm making money conning people. I'm like, like you know, like Dave Rubin. But what are you selling? <laughs> I'm a bit of a grifter, see? Me and my boys are out there grifting and conning like, people. Like, you know Come over funny? here. I'm, Come over here to the back of my trunk here. I got you. I got your supplements. Got your vitamins. Got your minerals. I was like, but we're, we're against all those supplements. I mean, we're against all those things. It was funny. I was looking at the comments on this same thing that they posted, and and. and Somebody says, this might be an unpopular opinion, but when it comes to the dying alone part, I agree with him. And then she goes on to describe. And, uh, you know, why Why is he being bashed on an anti-vax satire page? He's done nothing but promote vaccines. So it's interesting. There's some smart people here There's that are just like, what's wrong people. with you people? Yeah, and of course, good that, for them. Like, I mean- I, I, I still think that there's still a vaccine promotion issue that is being ignored, which is if 65 and older never had COVID unvaccinated, get the vaccine. Are you crazy? Go get it. Go get it. Are you crazy? Know, come on. Get it. Go How get it. How many times do we so have to say it? How many times have I said it? It's so crazy. Many. Oh, dude. So, so can I say, can I do one thing? One yes. piece of um, information or, or sort of confusing information discussion. And I'd love to get your opinion on it. So a lot of people have sent me this and now we're going to do our pro vaccine PSA for the, for the day, Good. or at least a vaccine understanding PSA. So there's a Swedish study. I don't the real know if you grift. saw it. We're the real were, grift now, the grift. Where, where the real grift happens, <laughs> where the real grift happens. So the, you know, the usual um, YouTube people have been kind of reviewing this study out of Sweden. It was in vitro study using hepatoma cells. Oh, um, 
Yeah, already. And what they did was they coated all, they basically bathed these cells in Pfizer's uh, mRNA vaccine. Um, and what they saw, they then measured what was going on. So they said, okay, yeah, this the mRNA was no surprise, taken up by the hep- hepatic cells, the hepatoma cells, these immortalized cells. And they expressed spike protein that was expressed on the surface of the liver cells. Okay, great. But they also then dug out the nuclei of these cells and tested it for uh, a couple things. One was expression of human reverse transcriptase that turns mRNA back into DNA. Uh, and they found that those expression levels were increased after exposure to vaccine. The second thing they found was that there was spike protein or uh, mRNA converted to DNA and that DNA they found in the nuclei of these hepatic cells. So something that happened was the mRNA was potentially, if they believe the methodology of the trial, was converted to DNA and that DNA was found in the nucleus. And this caused a lot of people to freak out saying, well, wait, I thought that the mRNA was not supposed to be converted to DNA and incorporated into our genomes and causing, you know, all kinds of crazy potential problems like cancers and and gene dysregulation and all the other things that can happen. And what the paper clearly says is that we did not see or look for evidence of integration of DNA into the hepatic cells. The second thing is people forget that the Adenovirus vector vaccines, AstraZeneca and um, Johnson and Johnson, use DNA for spike protein that actually enters the nucleus, is transcribed to mRNA, and causes spike. Protein. So, this this precedent of having DNA from the vaccine in your nucleus is not that that's okay. That's we've actually have vaccines that are designed for that. The integration into uh, human DNA has not been seen, and then this is an artificial situation again in vitro where you're taking liver cells, which mm-hmm. are not typically bathed in vaccine since it's given in the deltoid. And no, I give it right, in, I go right in the liver. Sorry, Z. I'm always, <laughs> I go right in the liver when I get my shot. <laughs> you, you know what? It avoids the first pass metabolism yeah, because you're just injecting it right into the liver. Right. <laughs> it takes real courage. If you don't, you're anti-vax, Z. If you don't, you don't inject in the liver, you're anti-vax. Another oh my God. And if you don't do a liver biopsy afterwards to prove <laughs> expression of spike protein in the liver, you are anti-vax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's something that a lot of people have emailed me and I just want to tell them to take a breath. Uh, so I guess- These are the caveats so I guess with that the, study. The, the, the thing that concerned them was that um, when they bathed the cells in the mRNA construct that some of them had DNA of the spike protein in the nucleus or in the cell? Yes, in the nucleus. And so, so it I implied guess, that yeah. human reverse transcriptase was turning the mRNA into DNA. And I guess one question is, are they, I guess the, my first question is, is it like, are they sure that that's what they found or was it, is there potential for artifact? I'm not an expert on these methods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the method, the, the, the authors claim the methods were pretty sound. I'm not enough of an expert in those MCB, you know, fractionation methods to say that could could the DNA been in the cytoplasm? Exactly, they're running gels and shit. Or or are they mistaken that it's actually not DNA but mRNA that they're just finding? But anyway, but then I guess the question is, but how did it become DNA? I guess I am curious. How did that happen? So, so the, their proposal is that human reverse transcriptase was upregulated in these cells and was actually converting the mRNA uh, into DNA. And I that thought that, can, that reverse transcriptase in, mostly worked on like telomerase and the telomeres and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. But they're saying, well, it's 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 doing this. And so again, this is an artificial situation in vitro in hepatoma immortalized liver cells with 
with, again, no evidence of actual, what you care about is actually gene integration. And remembering that this idea that DNA exists there uh, that was converted from mRNA is not, we have vaccines that are actually designed to do that directly. They use DNA as the construct. So I think a lot of lay people were very like confused because they watched this guy, Dr. Bean on YouTube talking about it and got scared that, Dr. oh my God, Bean. this is gonna change my, Dr. Bean, B-E-E-N, really, actually really good educator, but uh, I don't watch a lot of his stuff, but I watched his whole video on this. Um, but yeah, again, like, you know, it's if, a little misleading what if, because, what if, yeah. Um, I mean, I would just think like, if I were curious about this hypothesis, the way I would test it is, you take somebody who's been vaccinated um, and then you collect a semen sample and then you look to see if any of the sperm has any. Yeah. Yeah, more changes, integrated, integrated uh, spike protein DNA. I mean, that's, it's simple. You could actually, look, there are simple? tons of guys willing to give sperm samples for money <laughs> and for free. So it's not like you're gonna have a shortage of trial subjects. <laughs> Seems like if that's what your concern is, but. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, so I mean, that was something I, I, know. I, I, I mean, just wanted like, to make I sure. Was, I always feel like these like laboratory cell experiment, like, I don't know what you want. Like, I don't know, if you took a bottle of shampoo and you squirted it on hepatoma cells, oh. like, would you find yeah. polyethyl exactly. chloride in the cell? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Don't that shampoo. And does. what does it mean? Nothing. But see, well, that's, well, that's why I, I don't is... use shampoo, Z. And I know you don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what's crazy? You're going to hate yeah. me for this. I use shampoo on my bald head. It's the best thing yeah. to clean a bald scalp. Yeah, it's yeah. gentle and... Uh, it's lovely. I use a little, like whatever my wife's shampoo is there. I, I use it on my head. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Good. I know your mind is blown right now. And um, the, and on my back hair too, Vanai, because that's very, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you know, one, well, but <laughs> one, one important point about this though, I think is that it does point to the fracture of our information ecology that lay people can take this very obscure information that's been kind of amplified on YouTube by an educator that, that isn't really contextualizing it as well as maybe they might. And then they're, I'm getting a hundred emails from people who are now panicking that they're giving themselves cancer with these vaccines, right? So it does require a little bit of, you know, um, thought as to how do you best <laughs> process like raw information. And this, by the way, I think it was a peer reviewed study. So it's not like some preprint or something. Um, so people take it more seriously, at least lay people. Um, so yeah, I just think it's an interesting discussion. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Public service has been done. You know, I'm just trying to refute the refutations to anti-vax memes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's several layers of refutation here. <laughs> I don't even like, I think these people are like, I mean, yes, you don't want to let anti-vax propaganda disseminate. But I do worry yeah. that when you create a different tribe anti-anti-vax, that you actually just encourage sort of more polarization, yeah. more people joining one tribe totally. together. And then when you take people who are, I mean, clearly on the vaccine side of things like you and I, I mean, clear, I mean, come on, clearly doctor, I mean, what have you, come on, people who have gotten all the vaccines to date and have given all the vaccines to date, but who have some questions about some vaccine products that are being launched under unprecedented societal situations. Uh, if you label us as with the other side, what are you doing? I mean, you're, what are you doing? It's, it's not even a good strategy. I thought you like want to build yeah. a big tent and take more and to win, so defeat the other side. It's not, I don't even understand this. What if a politician it's, called, it's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
again, their own, their own, you know, it, it's, 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 I always call it friendly fire. Like, you know, these are the people that ought to be like, Hey, you know what? He's not perfect, but he's at least on our, on our team. Right. Correct. But they don't do of that course. because, because if you're not perfectly aligned with whatever their dogma is like, look, look at it. But, it, but that's the I'm problem. looking again at that's the problem on the progressive. Yeah, go ahead. They created this like this purity yeah, test. Yeah. You know, they're always like, Yeah. Well, did you know? Yeah. Did you know Hillary in 1972 she wasn't for, you know, uh, <laughs> uh she wasn't for done. the Affordable Care Act. It's like, well, you know, it was 1972. Things change. She yeah. evolved. She grew. She's still, you know, it's like, come on. That that's one thing, that this purity testing. But and even people who like disagree even a little bit on some of these issues, they're crazy about. Yeah, 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 yeah. They really are. You know what's cool though? I'm looking through the comments on that post on refutations. I've not looked at it. There are a lot of people supporting us, man. Like a lot of people are like, dude, I'd sooner unfollow this page than unfollow a guy who's actually worked to get people vaccinated. So there are rational. I think the silent majority is rational, honestly. We see these fringes are amplified on places like Twitter and Facebook. They're amplified. And, you know, I'm going to start I'm going to start calling them out directly, you know, like these refutations to anti-vaccines memes. Like if they're going to say stuff like that, they're getting they're getting a word from me, you know, because I have a bigger platform than them. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. But don't draw attention to them because there's some. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, that's true too. But you know, it's good. No, people who want, if they're actually promoting vaccines, that's great. Like they, they should get, they should promote vaccines. That's wonderful. But well, that's I an tell interesting you, man. Question. That's an interesting yeah. question. Yes, they should, but uh, they should also get these issues right. Let me push on this issue. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That like yes, we want you to promote appropriate childhood immunization. But also, you should uh, be right on the boosters issue. Um, uh, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess you know. We, I guess I guess if they're right on the first issue, I'll take it for at least it's better than not being right on the first issue too. I guess I guess I guess yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I, 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 I don't know the answer, I, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's such a I, the world is so weird now, and and you know we're the inf- again the information ecology is so weird and fractured that that we're getting our information this way is so different than any time in human's history. We're still kind of figuring it out, clawing our way. I think being humble in the face of it's probably a good idea. You know, I changed my mind on things so much. People would think I was a total wishy-washy, flippy flopper, but it's more like, I don't know. I just keep evolving my thinking on stuff. And, mm-hmm. but, the, but the core belief, the core, I mean, the core motivation is the same, right? Reduce human suffering, do the right thing in the world. Um, try not, you know, and, and then recognize when you're failing to do that and try to adjust course. It's, it's a little, it requires a certain degree of introspection that I think is not encouraged in the world these days. So what did we not cover today? I think we hit all the things we wanted to hit. We talked about your, 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 your dropping off. We talked about vaccine effectiveness. We talked about zero yeah. prevalence. Um, yeah. What did we leave off? Talked about public health needing uh, restrictions. We talked about yes, um, refutations uh, to anti-vax memes. We talked about the Swedish vaccine study. And uh, I, yeah, I think, we, I think we did a thing, brother. It was good. Well, it's always it's therapy for me this week until meanwhile, my other podcast, we're moving back to our roots, getting back into the oncology weeds. I've got this visitor from Switzerland. <laughs> we're taking a deep dive on oncology trials. And uh, so I expect uh, no one's going to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, for you, it's so funny that like that cross that you bear of like the thing you're really passionate about. I'm the same way with like meditation, yeah, like awakening yeah. stuff. I put videos out and it's like crickets, but the people, but the crickets that you get, they generate the mails that you care about, right? Like when you get those emails, they're like, man, you changed my thinking on drug policy or whatever. I get the emails like, dude, I, I you know, I've never had a way to describe my awakening experience and you validated it as a doctor and so on. It's like, it's, it's really wonderful. So I'll keep doing that shit. Let's do it. So on that positive yeah. note, we're out, huh? Until next time. Yep. Peace out, guys. Love you all. Subscribe and uh, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Oh, that's uh, key. You can, they, uh, if you haven't left a review, leave yeah. a review this podcast. Yeah, it really helps. It really helps bump us up the ratings so we can uh, beat out the uh, other clowns in the science category, <laughs> losers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I love you all. Uh, and we are out. So long, VP.